honest with you, the past several weeks, it's, it's been a drawing on my spirit in reference of all that goes around us and what's taking place. You know, I think about the suffering that happens in Ukraine. I think about the tensions between the United States and China, and then you've got Taiwan, and you've got all these other tensions that are taking place from, from, from oil countries and, 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 and the American, America and, and all that, that's happening, and let alone what's going on in the suffering of our own country and our own people and what we're struggling with and the financial. You know, it's getting to the place where we're all going to have to make decisions on what's priority and what's not priority, what we can enjoy and what we can't enjoy. We walk through it. We do. We, we walk in it and we walk through it. How many know and how many understand that as we walk through it and as we walk in it, again, we are not alone. And God's just been dealing with my heart when it comes to, you know, have you ever asked the question? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not looking for, you know, oh, yeah. Have you ever asked the question, why didn't God do something? Why didn't God do something? You know, I'll never forget the story, and this goes back a number of years. But it was still a story that stuck with me forever. And the answer God gave me was off the chains. And that question was very simply because what had happened is a group from Kentucky, a, a bus full of, of youth, had gone up to Kings Island. And, and they had a great day. And they were heading on their way home. There was another guy on the other side of town who had sat at the local bar there and had basically drank himself into a stupor. He went out, got in his truck, and headed down the highway the wrong direction. And he hit that bus head on. And the bus exploded into flames. And I think it was 17 or 18 kids were killed that day. Why didn't God do something? Why didn't God stop him? God really loves us. Why would he let something like that happen? Why would there be such desperation, uh, you know, then within the parents and their lives? Can you, can you just begin to imagine the grief? And it's like you sit back and you go, and these were Assembly of God kids, by the way. It was an Assembly of God church. And, and, and it was like horrified. How could that happen? God, why didn't you stop it? And you know what God said? I didn't make him get in the car, in the truck. He got in there himself. He made the choice to sit in the bar. He made the choice to drink to the state he was in. And then he chose to get into that vehicle of his own free will. And as a result, drive down that road the wrong way. And his choices affected other people. Think about that. God does not interfere, has sovereignly chosen not to interfere with our will. God doesn't make you do anything. We choose. And what we do today is really a belated <laughs> announcement of the choices that we have made in all of our yesterdays. But that can change today, and God wants you to know. God wants you to know, first of all, choices, your choices affect 
those around you. Oh, yes, they do. The choices you make affect your family, affect your kids, affect your spouse, affect those who work with you, affect those who live by you, affect those in the pew next to you. Your choices are not just unto yourself. They affect all those who are around you. So it's not a matter of why didn't God do something. God has sovereignly chosen not to interfere with our choices, with our free will. We're not robots. But when we listen to him, he leads us and guides us. You know, a couple of years ago, I lost a really good friend of mine whose name was Jim Palmer, whom we went into ministry together with. Super guy, became the secretary of the, the state as far as his leadership and strength and ability. A super guy. His, his dad used to pastor the Wadsworth Assembly years ago. And he was heading to a church one Sunday morning and driving another car. Boom. Head on. Died instantly. Why didn't God do something? The worst question you can ever ask yourself is the question, why? Why are questions that demand justification? And good luck in justifying them. It's like we're, we're talking about little kids, you know, like, look at Johnny. Johnny, why'd you do that? I don't know. Why'd you do that? I don't, I don't know. We're wanting a three-year-old to justify their actions. And how many know God's bigger than what we see? Bigger than what we understand? And I say that because it really is that awesome awareness of who he is in our lives that brings us through. You're going to face things, are you not? You're going to walk through things, are you not? You're going to deal with things, are you not? But if you're out there trying to do it in your own strength, I can handle this. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I can handle this. How's that working for you? God, I'm sorry. Then I blew it, man. Yeah, because you're the one. It, uh, preach this. Preach this. It's not you. It's not about you handling it. Jesus said, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. Let him deal with it. Step out of the way. Get your big, ugly self someplace else. I was afraid I was going to say something different there for a minute. But I'm saying to you right at this moment and right at this hour, friend, if Christ lives in you, let him dwell. Make the choice. I love it because when I come up to that point in time and all of a sudden I feel it coming up, I stop for a minute and I can begin to hear. I check my heart because the way I'm about to react is not who I really am anymore. That's the old me. But the new me lives in me. And he says things. He implies things. It's not what you think it is. 
He reminds me they're human. He reminds me I'm not done with this yet. He reminds me we're going to get through this thing. He reminds me that he is in me, with me, for me. And he'll direct my paths. And, 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 and you know what? There are times that I see his rod and his staff. And those, those babies are nasty. They comfort me. But look out, enemy. Because when you get hit with them, you know you've been hit. God knows what he's doing, does he not? Even though it doesn't seem like it. Even though what we see right now is all a bunch of out of control. Well, of course it's out of control. Man's trying to handle it, deal with it, fix it. Man's trying to prevent it, provide it, and everything else along with it. You know, one of the thing, biggest things I love about what we're doing with the offerings that are going to Ukraine and to the refugees and to those who are in Ukraine that are huddling down because some of them can't get out. There are over 3 million refugees now. One of the things I love is we're not going in and preaching Christ to them and getting all this. We're just simply loving them, are we not? Isn't that what Christ does? When you love them in Christ, it changes everything. Those are words that are louder than any verbal words that you could ever speak. So I'll, I'll come back to it again. Many times in Scripture, you know, I, I read through the Scripture and I think, God, you know, had I been you, I'd have probably done it a different way. Do you ever have one of those, excuse me just a minute, could you mute me just real quick, please, thank you. Yeah. I, I've, I've come to the place many times where I've, I've, I've told God, this is not the way to do it. It needs to be happening like this. And usually at those times, ain't nothing happening. How many know what I'm talking about? But then, down the road, it's all worked out, and it's better than it was. And he shows me he's with me. He's in me. <laughs> he's, he's, um, mm, there's nothing too difficult for him. Amen? So I want to take you to a story this morning. That was just my introduction. I still got the message to go. I want to take you to a story this morning about a gentleman by the name of Stephen. Stephen, good old Stephen. What a man. And, and if you want to ever talk about why didn't God do something, right? Why not Stephen? I mean, here he is doing what God's called him to do. It, it, it's working. He's working mightily within Stephen. He's healing people. He's seeing miracles take place. He's been put in a position by the emissaries or the disciples to, to be a leader within the church. One of the original board members, by the way, board members, he was a board member, which means stoning is indeed a possibility. Any, any, <laughs> I'm gonna. I gotta go on. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna get in trouble if I don't. But but here's the thing. It, 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 when you get into this, and Stephen being who he was, and all of a sudden, 
they're going to come after him like ugly on glue because he's simply letting Christ live. Hmm. So my question to you this morning, very simply as the title of our message, is what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? I don't know. What do you see? What do we see? So the, the thing I'm talking about is, is, is the fact that, you know, here's Stephen. He's been serving. Things have been happening. And, and, and as a result of that, miracles. And, but, but now you've got some guys get a little irritated. And, and, and as a result, they, they begin to sabotage. And so what they're going to do in their own special way is come up with a debate with Stephen. They're, they're, they're going to debate. These men are, are, are from, you know, they're from, the, the, the Bible labels them as synagogue in Jerusalem. They're, they're the, these temple guys. But they get to a point where in the middle of the debate, Stephen just lays them out in the spirit, by the spirit, with the words that the spirit gives them to say. And when you're in a position like these guys that are coming at them or at him, there's the old saying that if, if you can't beat them, kill them. Which is exactly what they were doing in the beginning stages of the early church. They set them up. And, and look at the accusation there in verse 11 of chapter 6. It, it says, then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Wow. Understand the next couple verses then. Look at, look at verse 13. It says, They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. <laughs> For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. How many know there's truth in what, he's, what they're saying? But my question is always, how do you defend against something that is 10% truth? Is that true? Yes, but. Well, no, no. Either it's true or it's not. No, it's, it's true. But you, you. See, my, my, my whole issue here as we come to this is that it's a rough scenario. In chapter 7, what's going to happen is Stephen's going to answer the, cha the challenges, the charges starting with Abraham and working it all the way down and expounds on Moses. He'll, he'll, he'll conclude the Israelites and their rebellion against God, and he continues then with Moses and the tabernacle. He'll go on to David. He'll go on to Solomon and the temple and the prophets. And then he's going to say this. Look at chapter 7. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. I wish they could put that in today's language for you. He says, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Huh? They, they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. You who have received the law by the direct, I mean, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. 
When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Uh, do me a favor. Grit your teeth. Okay? Turn to your neighbor and go. <laughs> you got to smile at this stuff. But they were that. I mean, that's the way. The, 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 can you see the emotions rising up in these guys? And I'll say it again. They're being led how? By emotions. And I'll get to that in a second. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed in the heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. I'll say it again. Gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. That's huge. That's huge. But I keep coming back to their reaction. This, the, you know, the reaction wouldn't have been there if they could have answered Stephen. How many, how many times have you been in a place where somebody's talked to you and, 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 and gave you truth and you couldn't come back with anything? And you just go, oh, yes, you're right. You, want... you know, you all got brothers and sisters. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But my point being is, is that when you take a look at this, and you deal, for example, with 54 and 55 there in your, in your notes, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed in the heaven and saw, 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 saw. The difference was what they were full of. And, and make no mistake, it's, it's the same today with all of us, and especially the church. I, I say that because... There's a lot of people who declare they know God. Good for you. But confront with truth and what happens. But I got to thinking, why, why, why does it? Why, why, why did it make them so angry? Guys, you know what I'm talking about. You say something to your wife, and all of a sudden they get this anger. What I say? What I do? Well, I keep getting in more and more trouble this morning, do I not? Okay, wives, you know. No, never mind, never sure. com. Okay, but, but, but I did. I mean, what, what made them so angry? They're full of rage or full of bitterness, and Stephen's full of the Holy Spirit is what I got to think. And God said, you know what God said? God said, no. The problem with them is they weren't full of anything. They didn't see anything. They were empty and Stephen was full. And understand, friend, and I'll be honest with you straight up front, it's what emptiness produces. When we are in an empty status, what rules us is our emotions. When we're not coming back to who is joined to us, and we're operating in our own independent self, it's called an emptiness, it's called a darkness, and the reality is it produces emotions and gestures. <laughs> Sounds like I'm trying to chew my grandmother's Swiss steak or something, you know? I mean, how, how many know what I'm talking about? That emotion produces 
or emptiness produces humility. You don't believe me? When was the last time your neighbor was hangry? Hangry, you know? Yeah, uh-huh. You know that? You know? Mm-hmm. I love those commercials on TV. Here, eat a Snickers bar. You're, you're hangry. And what happens is when, when, I don't know about you, but when I get, a, you know, when I get hungry, I'm like, mm, it ain't pretty. Just cut me off a hunk of meat somewhere, shove it in my mouth, and I'll smile all the way from there on out. But, you know, it's just, you know, it's, but, but see, here's the problem. It also lays itself over into spiritual emptiness. I see a lot of emotional believers who are simply telling me there's an emptiness. I, I believe in emotions. I believe that following Christ, being a believer, experiencing his presence is emotional. But I've also watched as believers live in emotion, which is simply out of the emptiness of their spiritual life. And that is a very dangerous position to be because we convince ourselves about how we discipline ourselves that we're living for Christ when the truth is we're doing the work and Christ is doing nothing. He's been left behind. He's been quieted in that way. And, and so, you know, em emotion to emptiness is, is what we see. Now, let me, let me say this. The word empty simply means holding or containing nothing, okay? It establishes that there is first a container. Look at your neighbor. They're a container. But what looks like something is actually nothing. How, how, many, how many here have ever bought a full bag of chips? No such thing. I open up a full box of Cheerios and I look inside and I go, why are they wasting all that baggage and box? Just shorten the box, okay? Fill it up. Make me feel good. But it's, it's the same deal. I mean, we get... And, and oh man, I love it when Amazon sends these big boxes. You know what I'm saying? And you get them. Oh, I got a package. You open up. It's this little tiny thing, and they shove it all with all this stuffing. I'm like, oh god. Okay, I'm being emotional. I'm complaining. Let me go on. <laughs> but but you know, here's the thing. It brings the script brings to mind for me the scripture that's found in Second Timothy there in, in verses three, five where he comes down to the point where, where Paul's writing to Timothy here, and it's the last epistle that he'll be writing of his life, but he's saying something about these people in the life that they're living. He says they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. And look at the warning he gives Timothy. From such people turn away. Man, it's just that straight out simple. Don't try and help them. Don't try and turn them around. Don't try and convince them. Just turn away. Sometimes you have to let people go in order for people to come back. It's a, it's a tough decision. But, but understand something. He's saying to them, because you know what looks like something is actually nothing, he's saying, they have the form of godliness, but they're denying its power. To deny. 
when I found out what deny means, <laughs> it, it caused me to really kind of stop for a moment. The actual word there is namehi. And, and yes, it means, it means to reject or to refuse, but it also means this, to not live up to. Somebody's feeling that they have not lived up to what they needed to live up to because they did not put their phone on vibrate. Hallelujah. Don't worry. It sounds like something, but it's nothing. Oh, that was bad. Yeah, that went over big too. Deny means to not only reject or refuse, but it also means to not live up to. And I wonder, here's the thing that, that, that's the kicker for me. They have a relationship with Christ. Christ lives in them. They've, they've asked Christ to come into their life, but yet at the same time, they're denying him. Where do we deny Christ from, believer? From within here. From within here. Because when we live from, just, I'm driving down, all of a sudden I see a nice road on the side. Let's go down that road. It's like saying, squirrel. But my, my thing is, understand what's your base in faith. What's your anger? Anchor, what causes you, what has influenced you to believe what you believe? Who taught you this would be the thing that Paul would ask all the time? And I'm coming right back to you and saying, hey, wait a minute. Where did you learn what you stand on when it comes to living for Christ? When it comes to being a believer? When it comes to being a Christian, who taught you that? And I have to be very real with you because so many of those influences were nothing less than traditional ways, traditional teachings, which equated to a lot of rules and a lot of regulations and a lot of bondage. I'm sorry, but it's true. I mean, I challenged my parents when I was a young person of why we got to do that or why we can't do this. It's because that's just what we do. I'm like, oh, that's a great answer, Dad. Thanks a lot. It's just what we do. We, that's the way we live. I don't want to live that way. There's no reason for me to live that way, is there? So I'll go my own way and do my own thing because I'm living for... Look, it has nothing to do with God, but, but, but to say where we deny him is in here. Look, if we're not... Look, another squirrel. My point is simply this. Believer, if you want that relationship with Jesus Christ, understand he's already given you that relationship. Our problem is we don't rest in that relationship. We still rest in our belief system. Remember what Israel did when they came out of the Red Sea after they had escaped Egypt and Moses went up the mountain for a few nights, you know, 
and, and they get the Ten Commandments, God's hand writing in the stone, boom, boom, flash. What do the Israelites do down below? Let's build us a shiny new God called a... Why would they, why would they call the cow, the bull, whatever, a God? Well, you're going to have to do a little research and realize that they've only been in Egypt about 400 years and that they had joined with the Egyptians in lifestyle and culture, in belief systems and what have you. So the reality was they thought as Egyptians. They worshipped as Egyptians. This is what they were taught. They were calling the, 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 the a reason that the, you've got, they came out of Egypt, but Egypt never came out of them. You came out of the world, but the world's not come out of you. So you still continue to operate in the way you used to be, even though you're a changed person. You're a new creation. Hello? So that's why I always say, this has to catch up with this, correct? So, again, what Paul said is, is be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. But therein lies the point. How do we transform ourselves? By learning the traditions of the church. By dressing the way we're supposed to dress, by hanging with the people we're supposed to, by dating the right way, by living according to, by establishing ourselves, and by never going to bowling alleys or roller skate rinks. That's the way it used to be. What really scares me is where some people go today. Because we can dismiss the rules and the regulations, but we have also denied the power therein. And thereby, instead of, you know, we used to live life according to the rules of the church. The church told us what we could do, what we couldn't do, where we could go, where we couldn't go. All these different things, how we're supposed to live, how we're not supposed to live, what we're supposed to read, what we're supposed to pray, what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to eat, what we're supposed to not eat. And I still believe in that one. I don't believe any believer should be eating Brussels sprouts. Amen? <laughs> just, just saying. But the problem is, you know, we dismissed all those, those kinds of rules, let's say, but we never replaced them, which is the key thing. And so we just simply went out of the bondage of tradition into the bondage of the head. We've diluted the entire reality that we are supposed to be led by the Spirit. Those are his children. Paul talks about that greatly. You'll find that in Romans 8, that whole, that whole length of things that he begins to talk about. So in, what happens is you get all this emotion in the church, right? You get the emotion about the songs that we sing or the color of the walls or the, the, the color of the carpet, or the, the pews are too soft, or the pews are too hard, or, or, or the preacher's too long, or the preacher's too short. And, and you never accuse me of being short. But anyways, the, the, the whole point is, we get all these emotional things, and we come up with the standpoint of, a, and, and well, well, yeah, okay, fine. We, 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 we've dismissed the, friend, it's time for the church 
to be led by the Spirit again. You know, how much time I have? I've got a whole message back here. Want to hear it? Yeah, well, uh, here's, here's my point. I'll tell you what. Let me, let me do this, Wendy. You're sitting back there falling asleep on me. So I want you to follow. She's going to kill me. Got to remember, Wendy's our secretary. She's my secretary. And I'm dead meat. Anyways. Go, go to the next slide for me. Let's just find out where we're at real quick before I go on to something. That's the next slide? I'm at the end? No. <laughs> You're living by your emotions. How are they able? She likes me. How, how were they able, the Pharisees, the high priests, the scribes, how were they able to convince Pilate to crucify Christ? When Christ had absolutely no desire, I'm, I'm sorry, when Pilate had absolutely no desire to crucify Christ, why would he give in? I want you to see it up here. Yes, James, I've gone downstairs. Look at what they did. This is the crowd. This is the scribes. This is the Pharisees. This is the, the priest and the high priest. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priest did what? The church just prevailed. I want you to see that the loudness of the voice prevailed. Guess what we don't do? There's not a rising up in the spirit. There's not a rising up in his leading and guiding. And our voices are silent. We don't take a stand against sin anymore. We accept sin. Well, that's just the way it is. And I'm telling you straight up, Jesus asked, when I return, am I going to find any faith? And the answer is no. The church has become dormant. The church has become emotional, denying the power therein. And the church is not seeing the glory of God in, in the matter of any situation it's in. In this particular case, Stephen is being stoned to death. But the reality is, it's not about him dying. Yeah, he shouldn't have died. He had a, such a long life ahead of him. He was still a young man. He, he still had lost what he could have done, what he could have accomplished. You, you bring her to service more often, would you please? And that's what we see. But what Stephen saw was greater than anything else. Our comments are from emotions because they come from an emptiness because we don't see anything. But when the church's voice begins to rise and they begin to speak the words that the Spirit of God gives them to speak and they're not going off into some tangents, they're simply praising God, believing God, 
ministering as a result of him. Your hands become his hands. Your feet his feet. Your eyes his eyes. Your mouth, your words, his words. And you begin to feed the hungry. You begin to restore these people. You begin to embrace around. You don't try to convince somebody that they're a dirty sinner going to hell. Did you realize that? You're going. I won't tell you that. I won't see. But that's what we do. I knew guys that go out on the street and they would corner some poor guy on the corner of the sidewalk and get them to the point where they would say, okay, I'll say yes to Jesus because they would just beat them up. And the only reason they would say yes to Jesus was so that when he'd leave them alone and walk away and he could get out of there. And while he's walking away, getting out of there, he's putting another notch on his belt. Got another one for you, Lord. No, you didn't. You just made sure another one would never come into the kingdom again. That's what you did. Why am I getting all wound up? <clears throat> but the church has gotten so silent. You don't hear about the church raising its voice, standing against the enemy of this world and darkness. Our battle is not with people. Our battle is not with the culture. Our battle is not with homosexuals. Our battle is not with prostitutes. Our battle is not with drug addicts. Our battle isn't even with believers. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against power, against principles, against the darkness of the enemy's influence. And I'll tell you straight up, we're allowing the enemy to influence the world more than our voices raising up and impacting and prevailing in this world. So, That's why I love that song. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters see. I'm doing my all. I surrender to the king. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. I'm surrendering my all. I surrender to the King. One of the biggest impacts that Stephen has and has had on me is when I see him at the end saying these words. And they're coming out of what he has seen. It's not because he's made his mind up. This is the way I am going to be. No, it, it's coming out of what he sees. In other words, what he's full of. And what he's allowing to see. And, and, and I want you to take a look at that. Because simply, I don't even know if I have it up there, Wendy. Don't, don't get all panicky. But what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Hello, somebody. They know. Uh, 
let me ask you a question. When you ask God to forgive somebody, you're probably looking at it in separate viewpoint. But I can tell you that forgiveness isn't as much an action as it is a person. And he is forgiveness in us. And he who is forgiveness in us, when we see, he becomes forgiveness through us. Him who is forgiveness resides in us. And when we see, he becomes forgiveness through us. I'll finish it with this. And everybody said, Amen. What is it that Stephen really saw? Get ready. Mm -hmm. Get ready. What is it that Stephen really saw? He saw the glory of God? Yeah, he saw the glory of God. He saw the presence. He saw the angel. Yeah, he saw all that stuff. Mm -hmm. He saw Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne. Yes, he saw that. But as he's laying there being stoned, what's the reason he said this? Because actually what Stephen saw, what God wants you to see this morning, is a word called victory. 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 Would you stand with me? Victory. Does that mean he's over? Is, is pastor done? No, it just means that now you got 20 minutes more. That's all. <laughs> what did he see? He saw victory. Say it with me. Victory. Say it again. Victory. Friend, I don't pray that God opened the eyes of your understanding for nothing. I know there's more to see than what you've been seeing. That's what Paul was writing about when he wrote to the Colossians, they were up against the, the heresy of, of the church, which was coming in and saying, oh, there's so much more of God, but there's only one way for you to get there, and that is for us to teach you and show you, and this is how you're supposed to do it, and what you're supposed to do, and this is how you're supposed to live it. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. He's already in you. It's, it's not a matter of out there trying to get in by what you're trying to do. It's a matter of resting in him so he comes through you. It's about trusting the Holy Spirit that he will lead you, that he will guide you, that he will build you up. And friend, when you begin to see, then your eyes are open. It's about receiving that revelation of your Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, you're seeing things that you've not seen before. And when you see the things you are not seeing before, I can tell you what you're seeing is victory. What Stephen saw was victory. He didn't, he, it wasn't about living or this. Or, it was about he was a victor in Christ Jesus. He says, I've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony and not loving my life unto death. How many know God's wanting you to see what you haven't been seeing? How many know that God's wanting to open the eyes of our understanding? How many know God wants you to know the fullness of His Spirit? Not the emptiness of your emotions.
You don't deny your emotions. Don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about. You don't live from your emotions. You can stay emotional. I Look, you put a large pepperoni sausage and mushroom pizza in, me, in front of me, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> I'm not saying don't get emotional. I'm saying don't live from your emotions. Live from whom you are joined to, the living, risen Jesus Christ, joined to your spirit, through the Holy Spirit, imparting his life to you, on you, around you. Rise up. Let your voice be heard. When it doesn't fit, don't give me that. You must acquit stuff. When it doesn't fit, you need to say something. You don't just sit. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, well, our church don't believe in that. Oh, hogwash. Why can't you just simply say that? That's just not me. That's not who I am. I, I just have no desire to be a part of that, involved in that. I'm sorry if that upsets you or makes you uncomfortable. I'm not after that. It's just not me. It's not who I am. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine being able to share Christ because that's who you are. That's who you are. I don't know about you, but I need him now more than I ever needed him. To see him more. To live from him more. Go ahead, Randy. To continue to be led by him, guided by him. I love this song. Worship to it. Decisions must be made, and now I have a choice. I need your wisdom, Lord. I need to hear your voice. I'm facing challenges. True. 
heads bowed this morning if you're in this place and the truth is you don't have a relationship with Christ and you know what I'm talking about when I talk about living your life from your own insights or beliefs or anything else along that line you come up against it you, you, you know the emptiness that prevails there life without him. If you're in this place this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, but inside there's conviction that says, I need him. I need to say yes to his love, yes to his forgiveness, yes to him being my Lord, yes to him joining himself in my life. If that's you right now, right where you stand, ask you to pray this prayer with me. Not because repeating a prayer saves somebody. It's asking you to pray this from your hearts. In fact, I'm going to ask the house to pray it with us. But as we pray this prayer, let it be from your heart. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and become my Lord and my Savior and to forgive me of my sin save me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, somebody give him praise. Can we have the lights back on, please, Bridget? The lights back on. step is but house believer if you're in this place this morning I want to encourage you let's find that place of prayer why? God wants to show you some things that's why God's wanting to renew a spirit in you God's wanting to change direction from the direction you've been walking in there's much much more that he has in store for you this morning. And guess what? It's your choice. But your choice affects more than you. I guarantee it. So as we sing this chorus, let's find that place of prayer around these doors. There's not going to be a formal benediction. We're simply going to invite you to find that place at these doors this morning. As we sing it, 